Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have revealed yourself to us in your word and that we have the opportunity to read your word and through that to hear from you. And I pray right now that you would uh, be at work in our hearts. May your Holy Spirit be active in us so that we can understand what your word is saying and so that we can know how to apply it to our lives. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So here's uh, Daniel chapter 2, and I'm, I'm just going to read a lot of this story right from, from the book of Daniel. Um, it says, In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came and stood before the king, he, told, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Now, we're not sure just how often uh, this happened, that the king had dreams and wanted these guys to interpret the dreams for him, but probably they had some uh, type of expertise in interpreting the different symbols and dreams and things. If you dream about a, a turtle, that means something, you know, and it, you know, different kinds of dreams have different meanings. And so they, they're not too worried at this point. They're confident they're going to be able to give the king a suitable interpretation if he'll just tell them what the dream was. But then things get interesting in verse 5. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. So this is a pretty extreme version of the, uh, the carrot and the stick, right? Um, you offer a reward if someone does what you want, and you offer punishment if they don't. And, and this is a pretty, uh, uh, you know, you do what I want, we'll g I'll give you all kinds of things, fail it, I'm going to cut you into pieces, and then I'm going to tear down your house. Um, so I think at this point, these guys are pretty motivated, um, as the king intended. They now really want to interpret this dream. So verse 7, once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you're trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. So things are getting pretty serious here. And so, so for reasons that we're not told, the king uh, suspects that his advisors are some kind of fakes, right? They can't really interpret dreams, uh, and, and they don't have any kind of supernatural wisdom. He's suspicious that they're just making stuff up in order to kind of make the king think whatever they want. And so in order to prove that they're really worth their pay and they really know what they're talking about and that they really have exceptional abilities to, to, uh, to not just tell him what the dream means, you know, okay, I dreamed I'm flying. Well, that means this or that or, or whatever. No, tell me the details of the dream first. And then that will prove to me that you really have supernatural insight into its meaning. And he's very adamant that this dream did have a meaning. 
right? I mean, we all have dreams all the time, but this was a dream that the king was sure had some uh, importance and meaning, and so he really wanted to know what it meant. This was no ordinary dream. Verse 10, the astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any musician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. So this is some really interesting uh, things that they have to say here. This is, they're really kind of putting out there their understanding of the way things work. Um, now, we know that the actual conversation probably was a lot longer than this, right? This is only like a, a very few num small number of words. But the biblical author, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has chosen this particular phrases from their conversation to record for us. Why? Because these have special meaning and importance and theological significance. And so, so what they're saying here is pretty clear. They're saying no one can do what you are asking. How could anyone possibly know what someone else dreamed? Right? It's totally unreasonable. There is no one alive who can do it, and no one who has ever lived in any kingdom could ever do it. And then their last sentence, no one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. So they're saying, yeah, the gods know the answer, right? But the gods don't live among us. In other words, the gods are not going to tell us or tell you what the dream was. Because they don't live among us. The gods are aloof. Right? They're out there somewhere living on their own God plane and not here involved in our lives. In the, the Babylonian mythology, the gods lived in a place called the Garden of the Gods. And that was some other kind of spiritual realm that was separate from the realm of humans. And they, the gods dwelled out there apart from people. So the Babylonian belief is, number one, there is no way any person can know the answer. And number two, maybe the gods know, but they're not going to tell us. So the king says, fine, you all die then. And so he sends out his soldiers in order to round up all the wise men, including Daniel and his three friends who have just graduated from wise men school. And they are brand new wise men. And, uh, and now here they're, they they're going to have a very short career as wise men. But the commander uh, finds Daniel and he says, come with me, you're going to be executed. And Daniel says, wait, wait a minute here, Let, explain to me what the situation is, what's going on here? And, uh, and Daniel manages to go to the king and he negotiates a reprieve until the next morning. And then in verse 17, we rejoin the, the scripture here, it says, then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel doesn't know for sure what's going to happen here. He does not yet know what the dream was or what it meant. Um, and he's still facing death, right? But he knows what to do when he's in trouble. 
He calls his faithful friends together and he asks for prayer. Now, I have never been sentenced to death by the king of Babylon for failing to explain a dream, but I have been in situations where I needed God's help. Right? And, and, and the right thing to do in those situations is to pray and to get your Christian brothers and sisters to pray with you and for you. And during the night, God reveals the mystery to Daniel. In, in chapter 1, we saw that Daniel and the three, they stayed faithful to God, even though their nation had been destroyed and their, their, uh, they'd been taken away into involuntary exile. And when it seemed like they were going to pretty much land on their feet in the exile and things were going to turn out okay for them, a crisis came and they felt we cannot defile ourselves with uh, what they're asking us to do here. This food that they're asking us to eat will defile us in the eyes of God. And so they risked all the things that were working out well for them in Babylon. They risked it all to stand up for God. Faithfulness to God was more important to them than their careers or even their lives. They resolved not to defile themselves, the Scripture tells us. And God saw them through that, right? He, he honored their commitment to Him, and He gave them success in their new lives. And now another challenge comes to them, and they call out to God for help. And they had stood up for God, and now God is standing up for them. God honors those who honor Him. And Daniel then uh, makes a speech that's one of the key theological statements in the whole book. Uh, God gives him the dream, and he says in verse 20, this is, uh, you'll recognize this is our memory verse that we all just read off the screen a moment ago. Um, it says, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Now, my wife was complaining that she thought the Scripture memory verse this month was a little long. It could have been a lot longer, right? The speech that Daniel made was, was quite a bit longer. I, I shortened it a bit, but it's, it's, a great, it's a great statement, and it's really all the theological core of the book of Daniel. This really summarizes some of the main themes that the whole book is trying to teach. But do you see the contrast between this statement and the statement that the Babylonian wise men made? Right? They simply said, it's impossible, can't be done, maybe the gods know, but they are not going to tell us. But Daniel says, God does know, and God reveals his mysteries to people. So let's unpack this a little bit. Um, that first section there, Daniel simply, he praises God, he worships him, he calls out his divine attributes and glory. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. And then he says that God changes the times and the seasons. Now, that's not simply the four seasons of the year that God keeps uh, on their, their correct uh, cycle. Um, but he's talking about the periods of time 
that people live through, the seasons of our lives. We all have different seasons in our lives, and it is God who can change those seasons. And not only in our individual lives, but also in the course of human history, there are seasons, and God is the one who arranges the flow of our lives. In Daniel's time, God had sent a season of judgment on his people, the Israelites. And that season came from God, and God would bring it to an end. Now was the time of the Babylonians, but that season would also come to an end. Because God changes the times and the seasons. He also deposes kings and raises up others. We saw that in chapter 1. We saw illustrations of that, right? Uh, Jehoiakim, king of Israel, was deposed, and Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, was raised. How did that happen? God made it happen. God also gives wisdom to the wise. And that means that it is God who has granted Daniel and the others the wisdom to know how to think rightly about the world. They have a correct worldview of how to understand the purposes, the causes, and the meanings of the things that they see around them. They have wisdom from God. And God also has given them knowledge. In this case, the specific knowledge that he has directly revealed to Daniel in a vision the, the, uh, the contents of this dream. Many times knowledge comes through more common means when God reveals it to his people. Um, but it's still coming from God because he is the, the source of wisdom and knowledge. So do you want to have wisdom and knowledge to deal with life and with all the things that happen to you and, and around you? Well, seek it from God. Stay faithful to God. Resolve not to defile yourself, and God will give you the wisdom that you need. Right, verse 22, it says, He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with Him. See, God knows the secret things. The deep and hidden things, the things that lie in the darkness, none of it is unknown to God. And that's both reassuring and a little bit scary, right? But God knows. And while the Babylonian astrologers proclaimed that maybe their gods also knew, but they didn't dwell with humans, so there was no way to know what they did know or didn't know, Daniel says that God reveals deep and hidden things. See, God cares about the affairs of humankind. He wants to be involved in our lives. He's not out there living in the celestial garden of the gods, apart from human activity and aloof to the things of human life. He is not uncaring about the things that happen to us. God is near. He cares about us. When Daniel and his friends pray, God answers. So then Daniel goes back to the commander who was sent to execute him, and he says, take me to the king. I'm ready to interpret the dream. So Arioch, the name of the, the commander there, takes uh, Daniel to the king, uh, and he says, uh, he says, I have found a man among the exiles of Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. And uh, notice the little reminder in the text here of who Daniel is. 
He's an exile from Judah, right? So uh, that word exile has theological meaning, especially to the, the first readers of the book of Daniel who were living in exile, and, and to us looking back at biblical history and seeing the importance of the exile. The exile was a punishment from God. Whether this commander had any intention of using a theological term here or not, he used it. And, and, we, and it, it, it's to show that the exile that Daniel was experiencing was a punishment from God. But despite the fact that Daniel is, is, is from a people who are experiencing discipline from God, God is still at work in and through him. Right? And verse, verse 26, the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> I can imagine the king is probably starting to turn red in the face at this point, and Arioch, the commander, is probably like trying to find a place to hide. He just told the king that Daniel was going to interpret the dream. Um, he, Daniel's giving the same answer that the Babylonian astrologers gave. No one can interpret this for you, king. But Daniel wasn't finished. Um, the verse there cuts off in the middle of the sentence, in fact. So, verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. See, Daniel's saying no person um, can explain this no matter whether they get their wisdom from magic or from reading the stars or from omens or whatever, there's no way that anyone can know this. But God, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Verse 29, as your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. Uh, so this dream was a revelation of the future. Uh, there, and that's a, that's a huge deal, right? To be able to reveal the future. Did you guys ever see that movie Paycheck with Ben Affleck? Um, it was in, the, in the movie, the, the, the bad guys have invented a machine, but the good guys don't know what the machine is that the bad guys have, and they're trying to figure it out. And one of the things they know is that it has this super expensive lens, this like perfect lens, so they're, it's a machine to see something. But what are they trying to see, and why would they spend so much money on this thing? So the heroes are trying to work out what it is, and as they're piecing the clues together, the hero suddenly realizes, I know what you'd spend $500 billion to see, the future. And the ability to know the future, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. But the problem is, nobody knows the future, right? And we don't really have a machine with a big lens on it that can see into the future. It's, it's not possible. Knowing the future is even more impossible than knowing what somebody else dreamed last night. But the Bible consistently tells us that there is someone who knows the future. And that's God. And God reveals parts of the future to us. 
And Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar here that this is what has just happened. God has given the king a symbolic vision that reveals key truths about the future history of the human race. The prophet Isaiah, uh, in his prophecy, he's, he's, he's arguing against false gods that the Israelites were worshiping during his day. And, and one of the, the key elements of his argument that God is God and idols are not is that only God knows the future. Isaiah challenges all the so-called gods of the idols to predict the future, and he mocks their inability to do it. And then he demonstrates God's knowledge by giving several predictive prophecies, some that came to pass very near to Isaiah's own time, and some that were uh, future prophecies about the coming of Jesus that was hundreds of years later. And here we have something similar. God reveals the future to Nebuchadnezzar. And it seems to be two reasons that he's doing that. One is so that people will know things about the future that he wants them to know, and so that they will see that he is the real God. And these other gods, these, these Babylonian idols and things, uh, those are all worthless. Right, so verse uh, 20. Oh, no, sorry, verse 30. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. And Daniel implies so that Nebuchadnezzar and the rest of Babylon will see the superiority of the God of heaven to all these other false idols. And then Daniel tells him what the dream was. He says, you saw an impressive statue that was made in four layers. The head was gold, the torso was silver, the waist was bronze, the legs were iron, and the feet of mixed clay and iron. And maybe it looked something like this. Um, this is a uh, replica. This is not one of those real artifacts from, uh, from the museum in Chicago. This is a, a replica. In fact, uh, this one uh, is 15 inches tall, it's hand-painted plastic, and you can buy it on Etsy for $180. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, it, the, the, the statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream probably looked something like this. And, uh, and the king saw then a big stone cut out from some kind of a quarry. It was not cut out by human hands. He specifies it's not a human-made stone. And that stone then comes and smashes the statue to bits. And then the stone grows to be a mountain that covers the whole earth. And no doubt that is a very strange dream, and I can see why Nebuchadnezzar thought there must be some significance to this um, and really wanted to know what it meant. So now Daniel has proved that he has revealed divine insight by explaining to the king, this is what you dreamed, knowing this impossible thing. And then he goes on and he gives the interpretation, which the king is absolutely eager to hear, since Daniel has just proved himself and proved that he has supernatural insight from God. And the interpretation is that each of the layers of the statue represents a kingdom or an empire. Nebuchadnezzar himself is the head of gold. That's pretty flattering. You're the head of gold, king. Uh, but the head of gold gives way to the next kingdom, which is represented by the silver, which gives way to the next kingdom of bronze, which gives way to the next kingdom of iron. And all of these great empires are just stages in history. None of them are lasting. Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom will not last. It will be replaced. 
And then that kingdom will be replaced. And then that kingdom will be replaced. And then the next one and the next one. And all of them will be smashed and replaced by the kingdom represented by the stone, which will take over the world. And that kingdom will not be created by human hands. Daniel says in verse 44, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end but it will itself endure forever. Now, the, the, the meaning and the significance of these visions of the future and the various kingdoms represented by the layers of the statue, those are all very interesting things. Um, but we're not going to really talk about that much today because these, this imagery and these things that are being symbolized here come up a lot more later in the book. And when we get to those chapters, we're going to spend some more time talking about uh, the different kingdoms represented here and how we interpret them and, and, uh, and all of that kind of stuff as that becomes the, the dominant theme of the book. But for now, we're going to focus on the story of how Daniel interpreted this dream and things. Um, so the most important thing here is just to see that there will be a series of kingdoms to follow Babylon and that this cycle of human history will be broken by God himself who will eventually set up an eternal kingdom, but only after many human kingdoms have come and gone. And then Daniel finishes with a climax here in verse 45. He says, this is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. So where does this prediction come from? The great God. And the only one who really knows the future. And Nebuchadnezzar is duly impressed, and he bows down prostrate before Daniel. And it's verse 47. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. This is one of a couple of times in the book of Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar makes statements that make you think, is this guy really becoming a believer in God at this point? It, it, it really sounds like it in this verse. Um, but uh, I don't know. When I get to heaven, I'm going to be looking around to see if Nebuchadnezzar is there. Um, because I'm kind of curious to see. I, I, I'm a bit skeptical because of some of the other things that he does in the story. But, um, but it's, it's, it's an interesting question whether... Uh, whether or not uh, he's really putting his faith in God at this point. But, but then at the end of the story is that Daniel receives all of those rewards that the king promised back at the beginning. Remember he said, I'm going to cut you in pieces and tear down your house, but if you do it, I'm going to give you all kinds of rewards. Well, Daniel gets all those rewards. And he's even able to use his uh, influence to get promotions for the other three faithful Jews, his, his friends. And that's the end of the story. But now let's talk for a couple of minutes about what this story means for people living here in Anchorage in 2023, right? So one of the things we saw in this story is that in contrast to the Babylonian worldview that the gods do not live among humans, uh, the real God is indeed directly involved in our lives. When Daniel and his friends prayed to God about the trouble they were in, God listened to their prayers, and he acted to answer their prayers. 
And this demonstrates that God does dwell among us. He is here and He is interested in our lives. He hears our prayers and He answers our prayers. So does your relationship with God, does your prayer life reflect these truths? When you have trouble in your life, do you turn to God in prayer? Do you ask your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray with you? Another truth emphasized in this story is that God knows. He knows what we're dreaming in our heads. He even knows the future. And He reveals mysteries to us. Sometimes in his dealings with people, he's used dreams and visions to communicate, but the, the, the much more normal way that he reveals truth to us is through his word, the Bible, right? And the story of Daniel is part of that revelation. We, we, we've been reading this story, which is God revealing mysterious truths to us today. God is revealing things about himself and about the way that he deals with people in this story. And the Bible is full of stories like this in which God shows us deep and awesome truths. And as Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, the dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. What God reveals to us is truth and it is trustworthy. So does your life reflect a trust in God's revelation as a trustworthy truth? God has knowledge way beyond our own, right? He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with Him. But do we trust what God has told us? Or do we treat the Bible as if it's just some wise advice that's right most of the time? These are the revelations of the wisdom of God. They are worthy of of our trust, even when they don't make sense to us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, You are the great God who knows all mysteries and who reveals Yourself and Your will to us. And we thank You that You have given us these truths that we can live by. Thank you for this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.